we want to appreciate you. We want to say thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for whom you are. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for giving us a program like this. We bless your holy name because it is not by our power, not by our mind, but it is by your doing. O Lord our Father, here we gather before you in this conference, we pray that you will reveal yourself to us. You will manifest your will in each life in the name of Jesus. You will heal the sick marriages. You will uphold the healthy marriage in the name of Jesus. And those people that are yet to be married, you will order their full step bride. You will favor them with good married partner in the name of Jesus. Our marriages shall live to fulfill the purpose of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. A living soul, we say, once again, you are welcome. Now, by the grace of God, we will be sharing with ourselves the word of God on the team of this year marriage and family conference which says ideal marriage the ideal marriage and uh, making use of that it shows that there is a particular marriage that serves as a model how our marriages should be and that will be the beginning of this conference and by the time we round off here tomorrow God's willing your marriage will be heaven on earth in the name of Jesus Christ a living soul we say better amen and uh, if you look at the word there, we have the statement there, we have two important words. Number one, ideal. Number two, marriage. The word ideal, what does it mean? It means the following. Number one, a perfect example of what something should be like. A perfect example of what something should be like. Two, it also means a perfect standard for a particular thing. A perfect standard. Then, the word marriage, what does it mean? Marriage is a relationship between two people who are married. A relationship between two people who are married. So marriage is all about relationship or the state of being married. The state of being married. So marriage is about relationship. It's all about relationship. So any marriage that is void 
of relationship is not a marriage. Praise the Lord. That somebody slept with you and uh, impregnated you and uh, you give birth and the person ran away. You have not entered into marriage. Praise the Lord. It is child outside word lock. And it is my prayer if that had been your experience after this conference you will have what we call marriage in the name of Jesus. Amen. Say better amen. amen. Now bringing these three divinations together then what does it an ideal marriage will now mean this. The ideal marriage will now mean a perfect example. A perfect example of a relationship. Perfect example of a relationship between two people who are married. Not between three people. Not between four people. Not between six people. But between two people who are married. It is also a perfect standard, a perfect standard of a state of being married. A perfect standard. So we have a picture, we have a model in view of our marriages. And to know the picture of an ideal marriage or to understand what an ideal marriage is that is need for us to know the origin and concept of marriage. I want to tell you this evening that marriage did not originate from culture from religion, from man. It was never an initiative of man. It was God who initiated marriage. So marriage began with God. It all started with God. Marriage is all about who? God. Not about religion. Because religion is a way of approaching God, seeking the Lord to assess him. And uh, before religion, there have been marriage. Praise the Lord. So, as I've said, this brings me to a subtopic called origin and concept of marriage. And everything we are going to examine in this conference, we be in the within the context of the word of God. I will not embrace any commentary that is outside the word of God. I will not embrace human reasoning. I will not adopt human culture. 
Neither will I adopt religion about this sacred institution, about this significant, about this important, and about this germane institution. Praise the Lord. Now, this will take us into the book of Genesis, chapter 2. I will start reading from verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 18. I take it. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And let me jump to verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man and said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. This is the first place in the scripture where you can find marriage. From the verses I've just read, you realize that marriage began with God. It was initiated by God and it was consummated by God. It was not about culture. It was not about human idea. It was not about human philosophy. It was not about human logic. It was not about human request. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. So, marriage was suggested, ordained, and instituted by who? By God. So, I can tell you categorically that marriage is an institution established by God. God is the owner of marriage. God is the proprietor of marriage. God is the founder of marriage. Praise the Lord. You know, in any given organization, in any given firm, the, the founder or the CEO or the firm will have aims and objectives and will have 
principles guiding the operation of his fame. So also marriage. God is the institutor, the founder, the proprietor, the chief executive officer of marriage. So he has principles by which marriage should be run. And anyone running his marriage outside God's principles is acting contrary to God. And I don't think God will be genuinely happy with such a fellow. And for your marriage to be glorious and for God to reign supreme in your marriage, it has to be according to the order and the principles of God. Praise the Lord. And also, from where we have read, in, uh, in that verse 18, verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man, the man that he had made, to be alone. Do you know that when God instituted marriage, he instituted it to be a solution to the man's problem. A solution that will bring complementary. A solution that will bring companionship. A solution that will put an end or a permanent a permanent end to the need of the man. Praise the Lord. God instituted marriage to solve the problem of loneliness in the first man's life. And if you check the scripture, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9, the Bible says two are better than one. For they will have good reward for what? For their labor. Now, the Bible says what betide a man who is alone? When he falls, he will find no one to lift him up. Praise the Lord. So, from that verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, it can be deduced that marriage is a ministry. A, a, is what? A ministry of help. Ministry of what? Help. And not a body. Marriage is a ministry. It's a ministry of help and not a body. But do you know that many of us who are believers, we have been bewitched by the brothers who had been before us that women are fire extinguishers, that marriage extinguishes spiritual fire. It is not so. It is a misconception. It is not what God planned. 
God didn't plan marriage to be a necessary evil or to be a necessary body. He didn't initiate marriage to be a thorn in the man's flesh. He didn't initiate marriage to be a regret. He initiated marriage to be what? A help. Help and not what? And not a burden. And someone is listening to me today, your marriage will be a help. In the name of Jesus. As I've told you, marriage is a ministry. Is what? Is a ministry. Ministry of what? And not and not tell somebody beside you that marriage is a ministry of help and not a body. Say it loud and clear. Say it again. Okay. If you are fortunate to have your spouse there, tell him that. Tell your spouse what I've just said. Pastor Joshua, leave where you are. Go and tell your wife. Go, sit beside her. But I don't want you. Leave where you are. Deke, Deji, come and sit in front of me here. Stand up. You are causing distraction there. Sit here. In front of me. Where is your Bible? Remain standing. Stand up. Where is your writing pad? Remain standing. They, they are washing you all over the world. Though. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. Say to yourself. Marriage is a ministry of help. And not a burden. Say to yourself. Okay, now say it to your own marriage. My marriage? Say it again. For those that have not married, say it to yourself. My marriage shall be a ministry of help and not what? A burden. Praise the Lord. God said it is not good that the man should be what? Who give him a suitable helper. Praise the Lord. So, the partner in marriage is not a necessary evil. The partner in marriage is a helper. Helper of destiny. The partner in marriage is a helper. Suitable. Adapted and complementary to his or her as spouse. Suitable, adapted, oh, complementary to his or her spouse. Anything short of this will fringe the purpose of marriage. Praise the Lord. As I've said, marriage is not about culture. It's not about philosophy. It's not about religion. It's not about logic. It's about who? It's about God.
revolves around God. God gives the principle of marriage. He is the only one that has the principle. Anyone running into her own marriage outside God's principle will stumble, will fall, and half himself blamed, half himself injured, and half himself battered. Anyone running into her own marriage by outside the principle of God Someone will say, my father used to beat my mother. That is how we run our marriage. Praise God. Someone will say, I didn't see my mother kneeling down for my father. That is our culture. You are acting contrary to the principle of who? Oh God. Praise the Lord. Because marriage is not about our culture. It's about who? It's about God. Now. We said marriage was initiated to forestall loneliness. Then this brings us to another subtopic. How was the first man lonely? We want to see the loneliness of the first man. Was he lonely? Let us see. Let us see his loneliness. That God instituted marriage to solve. Genesis chapter 1. I will read verses 26 and 27. Oh, 28. Genesis chapter 1. 26 and 28. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Praise the Lord. From these two verses, you will see the ministry of man and you will see his loneliness and you will see God's expectation from the man. Praise the Lord. The first man on earth was created to have something. He was given a special assignment and the assignment was to have dominion. To have what? Over other creatures of God. God created man. Said, let us create man in our own image to have what? Dominion. And that was his ministry. The ministry of man on earth is dominion over all 
the creatures. That was his God's given assignment. He was to have complete authority. Man was to have complete authority over God's creation. And this authority comes with responsibility. With what? Comes with responsibility. Comes with ruling. And it comes with mastery over other creation. You know, what an enormous task given to the man. You know, when you study animal kingdom alone, you will see the vast numbers of animals, both terrestrial animal and aquatic animals. Man was to reign over them. So the earth was a colony of God given to man. That is the extension of God's kingdom. God, God now gave man that work the work of administering other creation. Praise the Lord. And Adam has been doing this. Praise God. Maybe God observed that he was slow. He would have made a bumper production if they were two. Praise the Lord. Is God blessing somebody? God gave the art to man for man to take charge to take charge of everything on the earth man was the god of the world he was the king the prince of god over the earth the earth was man's dominion was man's territory so the earth was a kingdom of man. The man was the king over his domain. Praise the Lord. That was as, you know, as a king of a town or a city. All the activities, all the administration of the town belongs to him. He is responsible to to day to day for to, day to day's activity of that city. So that was the condition of man. Praise the Lord. And in addition to this dominion, man was to reproduce himself. Praise God. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 said be fruitful. Multiply replenish the earth and subdue it. Man was to reproduce himself in numbers. And he was alone. And how could he do that? He was to fill the earth with his kinds and use all the earth's vast resources in the service of God and humanity. He was there alone. The Bible didn't tell us how long he had been in the garden. But we were told he had been there alone. You can now see how enormous these thoughts were. God, you will see that God himself 
is very, very workaholic. It's not slothful, not indolent, not lazy. He was committed to work. So he gave man that same work. So brothers and sisters, anyone who says I am a believer and is slothful, is lazy, has not known God. I can say, if such person says he is born again, I will, in quote, I will call the person a bastard because he's not taken after his father. Am I right? How many days do we have in a week? Seven days. How many days did God work and rested how many days? And you, you say you are a believer, you are resting for six days and working a day. Praise the Lord. It is interesting for you to note that is about work. It's about what? Work. It's about work. Work. That is, it is about God's assignment. God said, it is not good for this man to be what? To be alone in carrying out his assignment on earth. It's about work. It's not about pleasure. Marriage is not about pleasure. No! Is about work. It is a ministry. Ministry of work. You know, any man who says I have destiny and is lazy, he doesn't have destiny. Because for your destiny to be fulfilled, you have to work. God didn't create any man to be idle. He didn't create any man to be idle. So, a right partner must know the purpose of God for his or her marriage partner. You must know God's assignment for him. So you, it's not because uh, you are rich. It's not because you are now educated. It's not because you have money. It's not because about going to eat trees to eat wine and dine. So, marriage is not about ceremony. It's about God's call upon the man. It's about his God-given assignment. What God created him to be doing. The assignment that God gives to him to be doing on earth. Praise the Lord. So, I, I will tell you categorically, any man who does not know his work, his purpose on earth, is not marriable. It's not what? Yeah, it's not marriable. To the young ladies, anyone who is asking your aunt in marriage, ask him, what is your purpose in life? Why are you on earth? What are you doing on earth? What is God's assignment for you? What is God's assignment for you? And if that person cannot give you a satisfactory answer, 
the person is blind. Never marry anyone who has no vision. The vision is about your purpose. It's about your assignment. Your God-given assignment. A visionless man is a dangerous man. A visionless man is a graveyard. Because when you get to the graveyard, there are many destinies that were not fulfilled. Lying there dormant. God is blessing so If you are the one, shout a big hallelujah. As your father, as your pastor, I am advising the unmarried, the young sisters, young brothers, prepare for work. Marriage is about work, not pleasure. Prepare for what? For work. And be married. Listen, let your hand remain glued to the plow. The plow. Because he who lays his hand on the plow and looks back does not fit in for the kingdom of for the kingdom of where? Brethren, slothfulness is an enemy of marriage. Slothfulness is an enemy of what? Slothfulness violates God's purpose for marriage. Anyone who is slothful is not doing the will of God for marriage. The Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. When you look at Adam, the first man, with the tax he was doing, you will see that Adam was beautiful. In verse 19, the Bible says, and God brought all the animals to him for him to give them names. And he gave them names. And the name he called them, that is their name. And those of us who have a knowledge, or who have the knowledge of animal kingdom, you will see how vast their numbers are. How vast their numbers are. And the, the task was tedious that he did them and God said oh you have done well praise the Lord why carrying out his ministry on earth God observed that he needed God observed Adam needed help for maximum production for maximum what production and God said it's not good that he should be alone I said earlier marriage is about work 
is about God's assignment. God created you to work, not to be idle. God created you to be diligent and not to be slothful. Many people, before they were married, before they got married, they were very diligent. Now they said, I am married. I can wake up anytime I like. I don't have anything doing. No. No. Slothfulness in marriage contradicts God's purpose. Praise the Lord. As a woman, God created you to be a complementary of the man in his God's given assignment. Your purpose in that marriage is more than producing or for sexual satisfaction partner. It's more than producing babies. The man has an assignment. And you have been married either for 10 years, 15 years, and you did not know, or you have not known what the man is doing. When you get home now, sit down. Tell me your God's given assignment so that I will know how to help you. As a woman, if you have not been helped, your husband what you know is to cook delicious soup make up and produce babies I want to tell you you, are, you will be a woman who will miss eternal reward and I can tell you categorically you are a clog in the wheel of his progress what I call you a clog in the wheel of the man's progress so if any pastor now tells you you are missing behind his stagnation predicament, yes, I can say truly you are the reason. Because you are idle, you are short-sighted, you are slothful, only what you know, cook, make up, and life is more than, more than that. Praise the Lord. The man has a ministry. The man has God's assignment. And God said, it is not good for him to be doing the work alone. The work that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your office work. Life is more than that. I'm talking about your purpose on earth. I'm talking about your divine assignment. What God want to bring out of you? Why he created you? What he has committed into your hands to be doing? A purposeless man is worse than a grave. Even a evil grave has its own purpose. The purpose is to swallow dead bodies. But you on earth, you don't know your purpose. You are after all, I am a man in this house. Made you demand. 
A visionless man is a confused man. A visionless man has no direction. There will be diffusion all over his life. I'm praying for someone tonight. God will open your eyes to your vision. He will open your eyes to the vision of your spouse. He will energize you to work productively in that marriage in the name of Jesus. You will not be a burden. You shall be a help suitable. A help fitting to the loophole. That is the reason people with the same temperament are not marriable. If they got married, you know, there will be a lot of crisis, challenges up and down. For instance, you are a sanguine. The man is a sanguine and the wife is a sanguine. All they do we know about. Number one, a sanguine does not have order. It's not orderly. It's very rough at home. But outside, very beautiful. Every, everything that a sanguine knows is about physical outlook. Party. A sanguine will never save money for the rainy day. A sanguine does not invest. And the husband is a sanguine and the wife is a, is a sanguine. What will be the portion of their destiny? Then what will be the future of the children? Praise God. Because both of them have the same weaknesses and the same needs. Then who will now help each other? Nobody. Abby, praise the Lord. Hello. Put your hands together for Christ. Cool. Women, you are a partner in God's assignment for your husband. Husband, know for sure that your wife is a partner in that assignment. You are not a second citizen. You are relevant. You are a partner and always see yourself as what? As such. When I talk about partner, the word partner is a simple word that simply means part owner. What do I call it? Part owner. When I say a partner is a part owner. So you own your destiny. Your wife is the part owner of your who is the part owner of your destiny? And in the book of Malachi chapter 2 from verse 14 to 16 that is the half of your spirit. So when the half of your spirit is going in another direction and you are going in another direction what do you think that will happen? There will be a lot of jeopardy. Praise the Lord. Will you put your hands together for Christ? So, as a part of I want you to use all your abilities, all your skills, 
all your potentials, all your educational experiences, all your spiritual gifts, all your exposures among others to help your man. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. As a wife, you should be the strong pillar behind your husband. The English will say, behind a successful man that is a woman supporting. So, behind a failed man that is a slothful woman, or that is an indolent woman, or that is a blind woman, or that is a cripple, or that is an imbecile. A woman is an imbecile. Always a moron. Many women, they might not be moron mentally. Physically, they might not be moron, but they are moron mentally, spiritually. They are a mental slot. What do I call them? Mental slot. And anyone who is such, you know, I pity that man. Because the man will be alone. He will be the one thing. He will be the one doing this. He will be the one doing this. If Christ is not taken, he will die untimely. This will not be your portion. I said this will not be your portion. Is God blessing someone here? Put your hands together for Christ. So everything you have gathered, you have acquired, everything that God had locked up inside of you, use it in supporting the man, in helping the man in his assignment. You are part owner of that assignment. So man, you must see your wife as a part owner of that assignment. Praise the Lord. They have to run. I made my money. I am this. I am that. When God created you, he had created the woman. Although you are not born the same time, but he created you the same time. He had her in mind when he was creating you. May you understand this mystery. I think it is a mystery. Is it? Is it a mystery? May you understand it. In view of this, dear brethren, you must be humble enough, I'm talking to the brothers, to receive help from your wife. Be humble enough. Not sexual help alone. Not food help alone. You need to receive mental help, advice, spiritual help, physical help. Because after this conference, your wife will be discharging a God-given assignment in your life in the name of Jesus. Please give her room to do so. And the Lord will bless you in Jesus' name. My brother, you are not a sole proprietor of that assignment. You are not a sole proprietor. Your wife is a co-proprietor. Now, we are still looking at origin and concept of marriage. Now, this brings me to one man, one help.
What do I call it? One man, one help. What a comfortable weather. The Lord will bless us. Thank you, God, for giving us wonderful rain. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, said it is not good for the man. He didn't say man. He said, I will make him a... Did he say two helpers? Did he say three helpers? How many helpers did he mention there? How many helpers? How many helpers? One. He showed that the concept of marriage, the ideal marriage, is between one man and one, one woman. When God instituted marriage, it is not good that man should be alone. Note the following. Number one, God did not say that the man should be alone. Therefore, as a woman, you cannot marry two husbands. You cannot marry three husbands. So polyandry, polyandry is not God's will for marriage. Has never been God's will for what? Number two, he said, I will make him helper. He didn't say, I will make him helpers. So polygamy is not God's will for marriage. Polygamy is not God's will for marriage. More so, when God was to take rib, he didn't take two. How many rib did he take? One. Made into how many women? One. One woman. Is it two women? Three? Four? Five? How many? And brought the woman to who? To the man. Praise God. I said, praise God. So polygamy is never God's will. Polygamy mesmerizes marriage. Polygamy mesmerizes what? Marriage. So, brothers and sisters, know this for sure. No matter what your culture is saying, are you a king, a traditional king? The culture says, king must have two wives. It's never written in the Bible. In the beginning, it was not so. God told Israelites, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, praise the Lord. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, God warned there would be king that he should not multiply wives unto himself. And we believers, New Testament believers, we are kings. We are kings and priests. Priests of who? Priests of God. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 6, he said he had made us kings unto who? Unto God. I 
And the same thing in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. We are kings of God. So as kings of God, we are not to multiply wife unto ourselves. No, multiply husband unto ourselves. So the command is still in force. Say for this reason, the man. It is a man. The man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto who? His wife. Is it in plural? Singular. Put your hands together. Maybe let me pause here so that there will be room for question. Why is Pastor Joshua? When should I stop? Sir? I say I have five more minutes. Okay. Praise God. I say praise God. Let's see Genesis chapter 2 verse 22. Genesis 2 verse 22. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto who? Who brought the woman? Eh? God. What happened there? The Holy Spirit will open our understanding. Do you know, as a brother, God knows or he foreknew the lady that you will marry. Let him bring the lady to you. Let him do what? Bring the lady to you. He knows how to bring her. It might be in the school, in the office, anywhere. Or in your vision, in revelation, your dream. It was God who brought the woman. May the Lord guide us. I said, may the Lord guide us. So, our young ones, please don't be in a haste to get one. Also, do not hesitate to accept and receive God's offer. The one that the Lord brings for you. Praise the Lord. Do you know that <laughs> it is only what God does that lasts forever? Eh? That is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14. Said, whatever God does lasts for how long? Forever. To the glory of God, God brought Mr. to me. And we have been living together over 21 years. Praise the Lord. She brought her to me. He said, Pastor, how did he bring her? That is another day's testimony. Praise the Lord. Do you know that some of the problems that people encounter in the marriage could have been avoided? Could have been avoided if they had look at it. If they had 
accepted God's choice and timing. For example, I have a friend who graduated from the university at age 23. And uh, while he was graduating, God showed him his wife. And God told him that next year, while riding up your service, NYC, get married. He knew better than God. Praise the Lord. He did not yield to what God said. He didn't go to the sister to propose to her. So after leaving the school, they went for their primary, NYC's primary assignment. They lost contact. And he has been praying, God, I want to marry. And any lady he finds and proposes to, that night of the proposal, the lady will see another lady pursuing her with cutlass. So the following day will come, hello, say, never your life, call me. This killer. So he has been doing this. He has been in this situation for over 10 years. Prophet has been saying several revelations. It is household wishes. It is a spirit wife. It is this, it is that. Praise the Lord. Until he himself set time to seek the face of God. God told him what happened oh, 10 years ago. Eventually, he married a sister. Then after the marriage, he and the other sister now recollected through this social media. And the person is married, is having challenges in her marriage over there, and this one is having her own. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Who knows better than God? Nobody. So if you don't know better than God, will you listen to him? I said, will you listen to him? And Genesis, oh no, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, God makes everything beautiful and in his own time. So, your marriage can be beautiful if it comes in God's timing. Your marriage will be beautiful if it is God's choice. May the Lord bless you. Adam received the woman. 